0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Hey, I have a question, and, and, and I'm not sure if, um, how this might work, okay? And, and so my question is, have you ever flown in a plane upside down? and i would think that m- most of us have not you know what i mean now there might be one or two in the military that go yeah i was in the military we were inverted i started thinking of Mike o'reilly i'm not sure if he ever flew upside down in a plane he might have um but here's the thing the majority of us probably in here if we're honest we didn't <laughs> we, we don't want to fly upside down in a plane do we we, we that's just like no i'm good I, i'm i'm uh, I'm really good i don't I don't want to do this, and the reason I bring that up is because I read an article just this week talking about that right and and it was about a major airline that basically in a last ditch effort to gain control, decided to fly inverted and I mean they're coming down like that and the the story reads as follows quote: just before <laughs> plunging into the Pacific Ocean, the crew of Alaska Airlines flight 261 flew upside down while desperately trying to regain control of the passenger jet. I hope nobody's going to fly soon, but uh <sighs> Investigators confirmed Thursday, it appears that there was a problem with a part of the plane, the tail control mechanism and called the horizontal stabilizer and it keeps the aircraft level. The plane carrying 88 passengers and crew were trying to make an emergency landing when it spun nose first into the ocean on Monday. The crew had difficulty controlling the airplane's tendency to pitch its nose. The airplane then descended, but the crew was able to arrest in the descent. The crew continued troubleshooting, preparing the airplane for the landing when control was suddenly lost. End quote. So in other words, the plane, and this is very tragic, okay, was trying to make uh and you go, Ben, why do you tell us that story? It's Sunday morning. Are you serious? Well, I tell you the story in because I believe it illustrates what Jesus wants to teach us today. You go, What? Well, listen, this teaching is none other than the Sermon on the Mount. And really, if we don't really dig deep, it's really misunderstood. Okay? It's one of the misunderstood teachings that Jesus ever gave. Well, you go, well, like what? Well, for example, you'll have one group of people stand up and go, okay, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, here it is. It's, it, it's, it's God's plan of salvation. That if we ever hope to gain heaven, we must obey these rules. And so what they'll say is they'll say goodbye to the Old Testament, they'll say goodbye to the Ten Commandments because we're not under the law, but they'll use this as rules and regulations. That's one group. Another group says, no, 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 that's not it. It's, um, let's do this. They call it for a charter for world peace. And it begs that the nations, if you'll just do this, then we can all get along. We can have unity. And the other group says, no, 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 that's not it. A third group says that the Sermon on the Mount doesn't even apply to us today but that it will apply to some future time, perhaps during the tribulation or the millennial kingdom. That's what these groups say. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Note with me, guys. Note with me, uh, for a moment, verse 20 of chapter 5. We won't hit there today, but notice with me. Because I believe this is the theme. This is the key to what Jesus is going to teach. You go, what's that? Look at Matthew 5.20. It says, for I say to you, That unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Why is that crazy? Why is that amazing? Here's why. Because do you realize what Jesus just said? Do you realize what he just said here? Remember, who is who is Matthew writing to? He's writing to the Jewish people who kept the law. They understood the Pentateuch. Now, you had these little kids come up here and tell you the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Do you realize that every Jewish male, between the time they were born to age 12, had to memorize the entire Pentateuch, word for word? Then they went on, and they become Pharisees, and they lived very pious lives. Well, he says right here, guys, listen, I'm saying to you, and you're going, Me? He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, and you go, what? He says, you're not going to go to heaven. Okay? That just blew everything around. Why? Because here's what we need to understand. If you're taking notes, the main theme from today's teaching is this, what is true righteousness? What is true righteousness? And that's what we've got to understand. What is true righteousness? Righteousness. In other words, there are too many religious people with an artificial external righteousness. That's what the Pharisees were. They were really external, artificial. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. They had an outward appearance of being righteous, but deep in their hearts, they were living a lie. I got I to gotta confess something to you all. Every Sunday morning, I get up really early, and I'll go through my notes again, and I'll tweak it or whatever it might be. I really have done that forever and ever and ever. And some of the things, uh, after writing it down and going here, I was really convicted of my own teaching. Can you believe that? And you go, well, Ben, no, this is what you're supposed to teach them. No, but what happens is the Holy Spirit began to read, read my own heart and some of these things, and I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> And, and I just felt like I was, and it was conviction. And again, here's the point. The point is, is that I don't want to have an outward appearance, but I want the Holy Spirit to move in my heart and to do that work. You go, why? Well, remember, the Pharisees, guys, they had an outward appearance of being righteous, okay? But deep in their hearts, they were living a lie, So as to the character of our loving Savior, Jesus comes on the scene, right? And he begins to describe and teach what true and what vital righteousness looks like. He comes and he says, okay, this is what it looks like, okay? How he's going to teach us how righteousness begins internally in the heart. This is righteousness. Now, listen, Jesus, what he does is he gathers his disciple and begins to lovingly teach and instruct them on what it means to live with true righteousness. Very, very, very important. Now, think about this, okay? Put your thinking caps on, guys. Pharisees, Pharisees, they were concerned, what? About what? About the very minute details of conduct, okay? Oh, 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 don't eat, don't don't swallow, right? Don't swallow the gnat because you can't have, oh, wait. And they were very concerned about this. But see, the problem is, is they neglected the major matter of character, Okay? And character flows or conduct flows out of character. You go, what do you mean? Let me say that again. Conduct flows out of character. What you believe, how you believe is is, is going to be how you behave. They were more concerned with behavior modification than, hey, let's let's have this internally be worked on so that that can that can so you can behave. Okay? Very, very, very important. So I come and I say, okay, so I entitled this message Flying Upside Down. And where I got it from was a book by Daniel Dallas Willard. And in this book, he happens to reference a story where the pilot was flying actually upside down. And, and uh, it was basically a sad experience like Alaska Airlines. And I thought, wow, wow, this is really what he's trying to say. And you go, well, how so, Ben? Well, here's why. I believe that this parable... Uh, it might parallel basically a parable of our own lives. You, you go, why? Because let's take a step back in 2021, right? And I really believe our world is upside down. It really is. And and I hate to keep ref- referencing, oh, well, back in 2019 or 18 in the world... We were never really flying right side up, but we can see now that it's it's actually, we're actually inverted. And the reason I bring up Alaska Airlines is because I think if we continue in this course, we're going to crash and there's going to be a lot of casualties. And so I think our world is just, it's just crumbling, right? It's, it's crashing all around us and, and, and lives are being destroyed and nations are being destroyed. And division is happening, and we're standing up, and we're saying, no, the color of your skin matters, no, the where you believe matters, and you should be this and this and that, and, 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 and they expect us as the American people just to take, <gasps> and we go, no, wait, that's not, that's not what God teaches. Guys, I know the world is, uh, and, and, and listen, I didn't have time to do this because it had been too much, but if you just go on MSN, Right on the internet, and you'd look, just look at the headlines, and it's this person who died, and this person who killed this, and this many people, and and it's just it's just sad. It's just sad. So what does Jesus do? The kingdom of God comes, and he tries to set things right. Right? He says, "Okay, let me turn things." Uh, right side, upside right, right? And so I believe the Sermon on the Mount is given for that purpose. To do what? To turn things upside down and get things flying right. Okay? Now, the application for us is really this it's a good reality check. And you go, how so? Well, the question is, are we living a true and righteous manner? Are we living like this? Okay? Because it is a reality check. And here's what reality check means. It's defined as this. An assessment to determine if one's circumstances or expectations conform to reality. That's what a reality check is. Because why? Well, here's the thing. Because Jesus said in Matthew 5.20, for I say to you that unless my righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, he says, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's the point, guys. Here's the point. (sighs) That's a hard pill to swallow. And I'll tell you why. Because I know me. There's nobody who knows me even, even more than my wife, but my wife, there's a lot of stuff she doesn't know that's deep in my heart, and I'm like, oh. And so Jesus just said, how's that? How's that going? And so he wants to set things right. Now, let me give you a little disclaimer, okay? The Sermon on the Mount, okay, right here, it doesn't necessarily deal with salvation as such, but it lays out for the disciple, you and I, a put, or a potential disciple on how regarding Jesus as king translates into ethics and daily living. You go, oh, okay. Now, put your thinking caps on. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the new Moses in teaching and authority. He's already, remember what he's done. Through baptism, he's healed us, right? He's he's rewrote our past. So the things that you've done, man, you've got a clean slate. And then he goes and he's tempted in the wilderness. And so what he's saying, Israel, he says, not only have I rewritten your past or your story, I've healed all your failures. And so now he's coming and going, because I've done that, here's the teaching that you need to grasp. You go, okay, okay. Now, if we just take verse 20, it would leave us a little bummed out because I got to be honest with you. My righteousness is not greater than the Pharisees or 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 the scribes. It's not. It's not. And so if I go by verse 20 alone, Eva, basically he's saying that I won't see God's kingdom. I won't go to heaven. I can't go to heaven on my own righteousness, but you're the pastor. You should get a free ticket in. You, you've given your life. No, 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 no. It's all, we're all on the same boat. So what does Jesus want to do? He says, okay, let me, let me give you a new teaching. Let me give you a new teaching. Okay. You guys got it? Your past, your story's rewritten. Story's rewritten. The circumstances haven't changed. You still went through those things that you went through. But with Jesus, there's new meaning to them. And she goes, Oh, okay, okay. Your failures have been healed because you realize that you've made a lot of mistakes in the wilderness wanderings, if you will. And he goes, Okay, so, ah. It's okay to fail? Yeah, it's okay. Because Jesus is—he's changed it. Now, I love the beauty of Matthew because he's teaching, he's teaching this to Israel. Because Israel messed up. Israel, man, their whole story was nothing but complaining, 40 years, going out to the spies. You guys know the whole story. But I love the application because it applies to us too. Right? Listen to me. I can't change the fact that my mom died when I was 18 months old. And I would often ask God, why? What did I do that I had to grow up without a mom? But when I accepted Jesus, I realized that his plan and his salvation was a lot different. And so I saw it through his eyes. And it wasn't going... Ah, oh, watch this, man. Let's see if you can survive the world with a single dad and watch this. And It wasn't anything like that. But it allowed me to be sensitive and to seek the spiritual things to where I was saved. I could run to Jesus. So you understand, when I say he rewrites your story it's a different attitude it's a different way of looking at things that's what jesus does and so he comes here and he says now because of that because you understood this because you've gone through chapter 4 he says as disciples this is the way you should live and this is the and this is what should impact your heart you guys with me give me an amen if you are okay so you understand that so jesus comes and he teaches us about true spiritual Righteousness. Now, if you're taking note, you guys know this. This is the Beatitudes. Now, here's what I want you to write down. The Beatitudes describe the attitudes that ought to be in our lives today. Right? The Beatitudes. This is the attitude we should have. This is how we should conduct ourselves. Okay? And what he's going to do, he's going to give us four here today. Four. He's going to describe four attitudes. Now, a lot of times um, I have attitude, <laughs> but it's not necessarily to be attitudes, if you know what I mean. Why are you giving me attitude? But, but here's what Jesus says. I'm going to give you four, okay? And we're going to look at them first and foremost. But let's jump in, guys. Look at verse one with me. And it says, and Jesus seeing the multitude, what does he go? He went up to a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, don't you just love that? Okay, so remember, Jesus is starting to attract crowds, multitude of people, and you can go to Israel today and you can actually sit in the place where, where the, and it's great acoustics and and you can teach. Now they've long built a church there, and it has uh, different. It, it's just you can go there and. But but here's what he's saying. He says he wants to teach us something, guys. You ready to listen? He he wants to teach us. What does he want to teach us? Number one, jot this down: our attitude toward ourselves. He wants us to see our attitude toward ourselves, our attitude. Look at verse 3. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, here's what I want you to do. So the Beatitudes make a lot of sense. I want you to circle that word for blessed, and you're going to write two words next to it. Number one, you're going to write happy, okay, because that's what the word means, Happy. Happy is the person. Happy are you. You go, okay. Now, I really believe, Alex, that the word blessed loses translation because you can go to the grocery store and somebody will say, have a blessed day. And I'm, you're not, you're not exactly sure what that means. But, but when Jesus says it, he said, he says, blessed, happy. But then write another circle because it carries the weight of approval. That's what it means. It carries the weight of approval. Approval from who? Well, here's what the Lord is saying when he starts with this with this teaching. He says, the Lord is saying, I approve of these attitudes. In other words, he said, happy are you and approval from me. Which would explain why the Lord came down in the form of a dove and a voice came out and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so God is well pleased in you. If you are in Christ, that's how he rewrites your story. That's how he heals us. And then now he goes, now, here's the deal. Not only are you happy, but you have approval from me. Why? Help me, church. Help me. This is so good. Because you're in Christ. You're in Christ. Yeah, you still have you, and sometimes you're like, ooh, I don't like me. But for the most part, God sees Jesus. And that's how we can be happy that's how we can have approval from heaven. And so that is important because he's going to say blessed. He's going to say blessed. He's going to say blessed. And this is what. So, so again, happy are you and approval from me if you have these attitudes. What are the attitudes? Okay. Well, here's the attitude. He said, happy are you and approval from me to those who are poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So everybody goes, okay, what does that mean? Well, the word poor in spirit is the attitude. And so the question comes up, guys, here it is. Do I live in a posture of humility before both God and men? Really recognizing the bankruptcy of my own soul. Do I walk in humility? Do I walk in humility? Because he says, approval from me, poor in spirit, walking in humility, understanding who we really are. Now, listen, here's the deal. You've already learned that you're in Christ. And if you're quite honest, the fact that you are going to inherit, you're more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees is because you're in Christ. I know who you are in Christ. But the problem is, again, is that is that what's my attitude and I go, hey, hey, I'm a Christian, and I'm proud, and, and I need to have this. Or are we walking? Like, in other words, guys, do we live differently before him? Do we really honor him? Am I, am I living a life of humility before God and man? Am I really? in? And, and, and let's be honest. There are times I'm not. I'm not speaking for you. There are times I'm not. It really bugs me. And I struggle with these things. But the awesome thing is that in my marriage, I should be humbled before my wife, taking into consideration her feelings, walking before God in this way, and grasping that any riches in my soul is because of Him, not because of who I am. I don't want to be prideful I don't want to be prideful in church. I don't want to be prideful in ministry. I don't want to be prideful in anything that I do. But I want to walk in, in the, in in humility, in that posture going, God, you are awesome. You are amazing. And so here's the question I had to ask myself. And you guys can ask yourself this. Do I live differently than the world? Do I live differently than than the world? And is it evident in my life here on earth? Are people looking at me going, man, you are different. You're different. Do I live that way? This is what he's saying. He's saying. You know, as we approach uh, a world that we don't recognize, can I just encourage you to leave no doubt that you love Jesus? Leave no doubt that people know where you stand. And it doesn't have to be perfect, guys. None of us are perfect. And we shouldn't expect to be, but we should go, man, I just love Jesus. And we could recognize that our own failings and our own, our own shortcomings go, oh, praise God. Praise God. That should be the attitude toward ourselves. We walk in humility. Well, what's the second attitude that that Jesus is speaking about? Guys, well, jot this down. Our attitude towards sin. Towards sin. How so? Well, look at verse 4. He says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, here's what I want you to catch, okay? Life is going to be hard at times, and we are going to mourn people. Okay? There are going to be people in our lives that that are going to be taken from us to heaven, God's Jesus, and, and, and we're going to miss them. And we're going to mourn. It's okay. But I want to show you something a little bit different here with the word mourn. You go, what's that? Well, I know that there's one way about mourning is about life, but what if we should be mourning about sin? Right? Blessed are those who more. In other words, here's the thing. I wonder, are we broken over sin? Over the sin in my life. Over the sin in the world. You see, here's our problem, church. Our problem is that at times we get, we just kind of, we're, we're so busy, we're doing stuff, and we'll see sin in the world, and we'll just kind of go, oh, that's where we live, okay. I know I've done it, but I wonder how many times, like, like, let me ask you a question do we really despise the sin in our lives? In other words, when was the last time that I truly felt sick over my sin? When was the last time? I know that we're really good at at, at, at throwing the grace card, man. Well, I'm under grace. I get that. But see... A a true mark of being his disciple is when we're broken over sin. I got to tell you, I'm sitting here going through this stuff going, oh. Because I have to ask myself the same question. When was the last time that I was really broken over my own sin? It's really hard, church, to it's really hard, church, to be humble when you have to guard your heart so much and you have to protect it so hard. And and instead of just being who God made you and, and, and going, oh, here's why I blew it, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the question I had to ask myself, and maybe you've got to ask yourself this, is is does sin bother me? Why does sin bother me? And here's why. Simply put, because it defames the name of God that I love. You see, so many times we're taught, well, we're sinners. We're just sinners, and, and that's why Jesus died, and I get that. But 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 part of our attitude has to be the fact that well does, does, is this where, is this where I'm mourning am, am I mourning over my... do I look at the news and just break down for people I got to be honest with you guys we're in chapter thirteen in the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights and I'm I'm thinking there's just no way we can go through this it's going to be horrible. And so what the, the consensus after Wednesday night is people are leaving as they go, man, I don't, want, I don't want to see people go through that. I don't want to see people left behind and have to face tribulation and war and famine and all of this stuff. And it should break our heart. Verse 5 says this. Blessed. Blessed. Happy are you, and approved from me are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay? So the the word meek here is very interesting. The idea of meekness is, is an idea that a horse has finally been broken, and it's bridled and can be ridden. That's the idea. Okay? It's power under strength. And, uh, the other night, Natalie and I were watching, um, that old, that old movie, Lonesome Dove. It's been around a while. And Lonesome Dove, uh, on one of the scenes, it's, uh, Captain McCall is trying to break the horse that he's going to ride, and it takes a lot. He's, he's fighting on it, but once he breaks him, he can ride him. And he rides them all the way to Montana. So if you haven't ever watched the movie, I just spoiled it for you, okay? So, here's the point, okay? As disciples of Jesus, right? He's calling us to follow me, He's asking, have we been broken for the kingdom's sake? Have we been broken for the kingdom's sake? You go, Ben, I'm not sure what you mean. There's two kings. Either we're under the kingship of Jesus or we're the kingship of our own lives. Okay? Now, remember, he's coming in to the Jewish mindset going, I'm the new king. Emmanuel, God is with you. I'm pronouncing the kingdom. I'm trying to teach you. So could you imagine what they were thinking? Because he's coming in and he's going, hey, blessed are the meek, for they're going to inherit the earth. And so again, here's what was convicting to me, Mel. Do I have an appetite for authority at home, at work, at church, or am I under the quiet strength of the Lord Jesus? See, that's what meekness means. That's what meekness means. Strength, bridled strength under the lordship of Jesus. And I wonder when the last time we go, you know what? Now, look, we're going to pray about it. We're going to do what God wants us to do. You see, in our mindset, guys, we, we want to do this right away. We want to we get it. We want to take care of it. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, happy are you and approval from me when you walk in meekness. And then he goes on in verse 6, and he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I love that, right? And so again, he's saying, Happy, happy are you, and approved by me. But here's the question. Do I yearn? Everybody say yearn. For Jesus, do I yearn for Him? Because here's the deal: the term hunger and thirst it means more than just being hungry. How many of you know when you're just hungry? You're like it's about it's about five o'clock. I'm getting a little hungry. Okay, everybody goes. Everybody's hungry. But here's what this means. This means okay. I will do whatever it takes to know Jesus and live for him. So it's more than just hungry. It means I will do whatever it takes. Now, let me, let me just illustrate it this way, okay? I'm going to use my friend um, Alex, okay? My friend Alex, the drummer, okay? So Alex and I, we, we're going to show up at the pool party tonight, and um, this is how it's illustrated, okay? So me and Alex are in the pool, and, and let's just say he's not hurt so he can get in the pool. I say, hey, Alex. He goes, yeah, man. Hey, let me, let's, let's play a little game. He's like, okay, let's see how long you can hold your breath underwater. He's like, cool. I say, you go first. So Alex goes, okay, so I'm going to give him a little help. You understand? Because I want him to win. And so I'll take Alex and I'll put him down like this, right? And so he's doing great, right? He can hold his breath for about 30 to 45 seconds. And all of a sudden, he's like, okay, I'm done. And I'm still holding him. And he's like, I don't know what he's thinking at this point, but he's like, oh, this is not good. I'm still holding him, right? I've got a good, firm grasp on him, right? So a minute goes by. Now he's starting to squirm, okay? What's he going to do? A minute and 15. Now, he can't breathe. So he's already gone in his mind, and what happens? What is he going to do, church? Honestly, he's in fighting mode at this point. Okay, he is turning, he's squirming, he's kicking, he's biting, he's pulling hair, whatever it takes. You got you understand that. What's he what's he what does he want? What's he want? That's right. So he comes up, what is wrong with you? And he's hitting me and ah, that's what it means. You see, it's not like, oh, I'm hungry. I I could go for a banana. It's like I will do whatever it takes. Guys, I will do whatever it takes for, to get to Jesus, to know him and live for him. That's what he's saying. You see, being a disciple, it's much more than saying a prayer and wearing a T-shirt and listening to Air One or whatever. It means I will do whatever it takes. That's what a disciple means. And Jesus is going, okay, here's the kingdom. He says, blessed, happy are you who hunger and thirst for that righteousness. They, oh, I want, to, I want to live for Jesus. be able to recognize the attitudes in our lives and go, oh, I'm so sorry. I had a bad attitude. Why'd you come home screaming? I don't know. Why'd you yell at me? I don't know. And sometimes we do, don't we? Sometimes we just like, we just do. But our attitude should be, okay, okay. Our attitude. Now, let me just say this. To you married folks out there. Let me just say this to you married folks out there. Your spouse should be your best friend. Your spouse should be on the same team as you. Let's be careful. Let's be careful that we're not fighting each other. Just because of attitude. And and, and let's make sure we have that communication to go, Okay. Okay, we're on the same page. But, Ben, we're so different. I understand that. But again. So our attitude towards ourselves, our attitude towards sin. Number three, he's going to give us our attitude towards the Lord. Look at verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Another true mark in our lives, guys, is are we merciful with others? Do we extend grace? Come on, somebody help me. That's hard, isn't it? That's sometimes, that's right. Sometimes I'm telling you, because why? Because again, we, we live, we, we want justice for us. Well, they should have never done that. But then we cry out for mercy from God. And I love, I love people who have that gift of mercy. They're great counselors. You know that, Right. If you don't have the gift of mercy, don't be a counselor. <laughs> right? Because, come on, somebody comes to you and goes, hey, I'm struggling here. Well, just you read your Bible. What's wrong with you? That's not, that's not mercy. you got to go, listen, here's what he's saying. Blessed, happy are you, man, to extend that mercy. And the best way to extend mercy to people is to realize where God saved you from, how, the, how his grace has covered you. And that's part of that, and that's part of realizing, now go back, guys, go back, go back, okay? Why? Because he says, now we've got to go back, and we need to understand what he said, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Because if you're poor in spirit, you can extend mercy, because you realize, man, I, I'm i nothing. <laughs> I'm nothing. And let me ask you a question, guys. Let me ask you a question, because this is our attitude to the Lord. We should be merciful, but let me ask you a question, Okay? How well do we extend grace to others? People are going to mess up. Amen? People are people. Now, at Calvary Chapel, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way through discipleship. You should grow in the Lord, but people are still going to mess up. They're going to, we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to mess up. How else can we say it? And we should be able to extend grace to people. And we should look at people the same way that God looks at us. Guys, do me a favor. From now on, start looking at people the way Jesus sees them. Just grace and mercy and love. That's, that's what he's saying. And we're never more like Christ. We're never more like him, guys, when it comes to extending grace. Now, I'm not telling you to condone sin, okay? Well, you sinned. It's okay. Go ahead and sin some more. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, guys, extending grace and loving people back to life. I already know I'm condemned. I already know some of the stuff I mess up on. I already know I'm not I know it's hard for you guys to think, you know, pastor's not perfect. I get it. I mean, that's hard. But but it's the truth. So I already know that. And so what I need is mercy. And what I need is grace. Ah. I got you, I got you. Let's lift up your arm. I got you, I got you. Blessed are the merciful, for you're going to obtain mercy. On the day you take your final breath, do you want justice or do you want mercy? I want mercy. I want mercy. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, For they shall see God. Here's the question I have to ask myself. Do I strive for holiness? Do I strive for holiness? Am I marked by purity in my life, in my mind, and in my heart, in my speech, and in my affections? Right? Ready? That's a hard one. It's a hard one without Jesus. Is there purity in my life? You know what Romans tells us, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't don't follow after the world. But he says, listen, is there purity in my life? Is there purity? Is there purity in my mind? That's a tough one. I have to take every thought captive, you know? If I think about it too long, guess where it goes, church? It goes in my heart. Is there purity in my heart? Can I let you on a little secret? If the Lord put everything that I thought on the screen? That would be bad. Eva, I didn't say it. No, but you thought it. But the point is not to condemn us. The point is to say, okay, so we're flying upside down through Christ in this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. So in Christ, I can have a pure heart and I can have a pure mind and I can have a pure speech. How many of you, you don't have to answer me, but how many of you have, were, were about to say something and the Holy Spirit grabbed your tongue and said, "Mm, we're not doing this. Anybody? Yeah. I, don't you just love that? You're like, okay, that's it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Because you knew it was going to be hurtful. You knew it was going to be hurtful. Let's let's keep going, guys. Verse 9. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Sons of God. So what's he asking? What's he asking? The question he's asking is, do I make peace? Do I make peace? Okay? See, remember what Paul says. Paul has been commissioned to be a peacemaker. To whom? Family? Friends? to the world. How? How are you a peacemaker? By sharing the gospel with them. The gospel. What is the gospel of? It's the gospel of what? Reconciliation? It's the gospel of, of again, think about this. The gospel encompasses all kinds of stuff. The, go- the gospel en- encompasses humility. This is how I know the poor in spirit. Oh, the gospel. The gospel encompasses what? The pure in heart. The gospel includes me being hungry and thirsty for Jesus. That's what it's about. I I wonder, is my life marked with that? Now now listen to me. Not as a pastor, but as a believer. True confession? Man, I struggle. I'm sitting there going, well, I won't preach that. No, I won't say that. No, I can't say that because... But I think the Lord wants us to to look at this. He wants us to see that. And the fourth attitude in the Beatitudes, he says, "Is what's our attitude toward the world? Toward the world, okay? Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. How many of us rejoice when they do that? We don't. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, happy are you. Happy are you and approved by me. And here's what they're going to do to you. They're going to persecute you for righteousness sake. Let me just tell you, your boss is not going to like you. There's going to be people who, I mean, again, he's, they're going to persecute you. They're not going to give you the promotion. They're not going to invite you to the games and the parties and the fun. They're not, they're, they're not going to do this. And as a matter of fact, he said, happy are you when? When what? They revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil sake uh, against you. That's falsely for my name's sake. Listen to me. They did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to us. Now, here's the question. Do I suffer well? Do I suffer well? Do I suffer well with an understanding that my suffering is all under the gracious, merciful hand of a sovereign God who has rule and reign over area area of my life? Do I suffer well? I I don't like to be told, I don't like to be reviled against. I don't like to be persecuted. Hey, good morning, welcome. You're going to be persecuted today. Nobody likes that. But I have to realize that if they did it to my Jesus, because you have the Holy Spirit in you, because you have the love of God in you, the devil and the enemies don't like you. Listen, because he's rewritten your story, the past is different. And now, oh, I, I want him back. I want him back. I had him. Could you imagine for one minute the conversation the devil and, and the demons are having. What did you do? We had him. Yeah, but I know. But this person, he spread the gospel. He was saying, and he was telling people about you. Yeah, but we had him. Oh, and and, and and this conversation, get back and get him. Do whatever it takes to get him back on our, we don't want any of this because his testimony is going to be so amazing. that Many people are going to come to know him. You understand that? And that's all of us. That's all of us. Let me listen know a little secret, because none of us were born saved. Even if, we, even if your mama gave birth to you in the church, right, and, 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 and you're still not saved, you have to go through a process. And you have to go through the... Guys, I know it hurts, and although it hurts and it's painful, can we say, blessed be the name of the Lord? Does that mark my life guys this this is a tough one This is a tough one for me because usually it's it's um the Bible says that we don't against, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood okay. Principality's darkness, but he usually there's usually a person involved somehow, some way. You understand that, right? And there's people that can tell you something, and and throw you into a depression. And we got to trust God here that that we we have to understand what He's saying. He's saying, "Listen, I'm turning this upside down. That because you guys are disciples. Now remember, because you're followers of Christ, He says there's going to be some there's going to be some there's going to be some slander talked about you. There's, there's going to be some um, evil stuff said about you. It's all false. And you're thinking, all I do is love Jesus. I just love Jesus. Why are they saying this about me? Why did my co-worker tell lies to my boss? Why did my family say that to my uncle? And You guys know, you guys know the drama of family, right? But blessed are you. I want to get to the point in my life, Linda, where if there is a persecution, if there is a spiritual attack, that I go, amen, yes. I must be doing something right. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Well, you're this and you're this. I know, amen. I have to be careful how I let it affect me. Be careful with your eye gate. Be careful with your ear gate, guys, what you allow in. Okay? Let me give you a little rule that they told pastors. After a pastor preaches, there's many people come up and go, Pastor, that was amazing. That was one of the best sermons I ever heard. And then there's people who go, um, you shouldn't even be a pastor. I don't even know what you're talking about. Here's what he says. You throw out the biggest praise and you throw out the criticism. And you stick to just the middle. Okay. And you know that God is working in you. Verse 13, Let's, look, look what he says, guys. He says, now remember, he has the Jewish mindset. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how is it going to be seasoned? It's then good for nothing to be thrown and trampled out underfoot by men. Wow. Here's what he's saying. As disciples, guys, he says disciples are like the salt because guess what? Salt is precious. Salt is pre Now listen, you need to understand the mindset, okay? Back when Jesus said this, there wasn't freezers. Guess what preserved the meat? So it wouldn't spoil. Salt. Okay? So if you had meat, he goes, man. So, so this was a valued commodity in that day. As a matter of fact, in this day, even, I don't know if you knew this, Roman soldiers actually got paid in salt. That was their, can you imagine? Here's your day. You, you want to get paid? You did a good job. Here's salt. <laughs> Adam would go, okay. Honey, what'd you bring home? Salt. <laughs> Why? I don't know, that's what they paid me. I was hoping for a check. But back in this day, guys, this is this is what Roman soldiers got paid for. This is what gives now, now remember, you ever heard that phrase? He's not worth his salt? Do you remember that? This is where they got it from. He's not worth his salt. Well, you know what we say today. Well, he's not worth what he's getting paid. <laughs> Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you're salt of the earth. You're the salt, you guys. What, what does that mean? He says, you have a preserving influence on the world. You have a preserving. Salt was used to preserve meats, guys, and, and, and to keep the meat from decaying and rotting. That's what salt did. And as Christians, we should have a preserving influence on our culture. We shouldn't allow culture to influence us. You're the salt of the earth. What else does salt have? It also has flavor. It also has flavor. What does that mean? He said, disciples, follow me. Disciples are like salt because they they add flavor. Okay? Okay. Christians should be a flavorable people. Flavorable people. How many of you are salt people? Let's be honest. How many of you put salt on everything? Even before you taste it? Yeah. Right? We we just are. We just are. We just love that salt, right? I used to I used to freak out on my dad because he would put salt on pizza, and pizza's pretty salty, but <laughs> It adds flavor. This is. Think about it now. Next time you go for the salt at the restaurant today, you'll be like, I'm salt of the earth. I should. But Jesus said, but what happens if salt loses its flavor? He says, then it's good for nothing. It's good for nothing. Because salt must keep its saltiness. They try to do that with other different products like Mrs. Dash and everything. Well, don't use salt. Use Mrs. Dash. Well, that's flavorless. I need salt. Um, But he says when salt loses its flavor, it's no good. And it really should be trampled underfoot. Let me give you just a word of warning. Let's be careful, church. Let's be careful for us not to lose our flavor and become good for nothing. Just be careful. Verse 14, he says, not only are you salt, he says, you are the light of the world, and a city that's set in a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says, not only are you salt, but you're light, okay? Jesus gives both Christian compliment and great responsibility when he says, we are the light of the world. Because, listen to me, he claimed that title for himself when he walked that earth. What a great identification. He goes, I am the light of the world. You guys are the light of the world. Guys, think about it, man. You are the light of the world. Okay? And he says, do me a favor. Let your light so shine before men. What's the purpose of light? Tell me. To illuminate, right? To expose what's there. That's very, very important. Therefore, light must be exposed before it can be of any use. If it's hidden under a basket, then it's no longer useful. If you were going to go out in the dark and somebody said, take a flashlight, and you put a flashlight and then hid it under a basket or a bushel or, or, or put something on it, you go, that's silly. Why would you do that? I need the light to see. Well, that's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, you're the light of the world. Don't do this. Don't do this. But let me also say this to you. What does light expose? Darkness. You know what our problem is as believers? When we expose the darkness we're often surprised by what we find. You know what I'm talking about? When we expose the dark, when you go in and and you're that light of the world and you you expose the darkness, there are things that, that you need to be ready to see so that you can help a brother or sister to grow and come out of that darkness. You're looking at me like you don't get it. Okay. So God has made you the light of the world and you go to your job and you're reading your Bible and you're exposing some stuff and then all of a sudden some of your coworkers explain to you some of the darkness they're in and you're like this, I didn't. Instead of judging them, God's using that so that you can pull them into the kingdom. Well, let me share with you in the word and let me show you where. Because he says this, he says this, remember. Guys, he says first what? Take the plank out of your eye so that you're able to see and help your brother with the speck in his. So you're still supposed to help. It just says, okay, let me do this first. Let me let me do this. But he says this to us, guys, the purpose of the light. You guys are the, I love this, right? Because here's what he's saying. Without me, you're... you're you're flavorless salt. And, w- and without me, you're just kind of a light under a, a basket. He says, but through me, guys, you are flavorless. You're, f- you're flavorful. And you're preserving. And you're illuminating Jesus everywhere you go. Now, here's the problem. Not everybody's going to run to us and go, oh, yay! you have the best news. He just said, no, there's going to be some people that go, ooh." I don't like that. I don't like that. You said this. and That's okay. That's okay. So as we close today, a key thought, guys, a key thought here in both salt and light is distinction. Why? Because salt is needed because the world is rotting and decaying, is it not? And if our Christianity is the same way, It won't be any good. Light is needed because the world is in darkness. And if our Christianity imitates the darkness, then we have nothing to show the world. So what do we do? Number one, jot this down. Kind of hard to jot this down. Just listen. To be effective, we must seek and display the Christian distinctive. We can never affect the world for Jesus by becoming like the world. So there's a distinctive. You're different. You're the called out ones. Number two, the figures of salt and light are also reminded us that life marked by the Beatitudes is not to be lived in isolation. He says these are our attitudes. We often assume that those inner qualities can be only developed or displayed in isolation from the world. But Jesus wants to live, have us live them out before the world. All the attitudes. Number three. Jesus points to a breath in the impact of the disciples that must seem ridiculous at the time. You go, how so? how could these humble Galileans be salt of the earth or light of the world? But they did. They did. And number four, Jesus never challenges us to become salt or light. He simply says that you are. You are. And so that we're either fulfilling or we're failing in that responsibility. So what should I do? True righteousness comes from putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And what you don't understand is because you're in Christ, your righteousness is 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 equal or not more than the Apostle Paul. Because that's where it comes from. Hey, are you as righteousness? Are you you righteousness as Paul? Absolutely, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, because he goes back to this, guys. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. That's where we put our faith and trust. Father, we thank you tonight, to this morning, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, for all of these, Lord. Our light and salt, and Lord, just so much. Happy and approved by you. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, I never want to leave a a sermon or a teaching or a gathering, Lord, without giving anyone an opportunity to surrender to you. And And I pray, Lord Jesus, that if anyone here, Lord, has heard your voice and heard the Spirit knocking, that they would surrender. The good news, Lord, is that you came to die on the cross for our sins and that you love us and that you've made a way to heaven. So, Lord, we thank you. Father, I pray, Lord, for um, I pray for those that, that are normally here, that are not here today. I pray, God, you would bless them, Lord. Help us to find grace and mercy, Lord. Help us to live with excitement and love for each other. Help us to be the world's best forgivers, God, because that's who you were. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.